Galatians chapter 2. I'm thankful for that song, The Secret Place. By nature, I'm a homebody. I like to stay at home, but uh, God's called me, of course, to travel all around uh, here in the United States, and, and I enjoy doing that. I love traveling, but uh, I also love to be home. But as I've traveled, I learned that uh, just like with the psalmist in Psalm chapter 90, uh, he says, the Lord, you are my dwelling place. What he's saying is that when I'm really at home, it's when I'm with you. And that's how I feel. Uh, in all the different states, the places that we're, we're in, I mean, this, these two months, January, February, we're here in the West. Uh, March will be back East, uh, and then April, Midwest, and uh, May will be in Florida, and then uh, May, June will be Midwest again. And so uh, we're just going all over the place in so many different places, but it's that secret place. That's where you just, it's at home. Just to be there with the Lord, to, to tell Him your heart, and read His Word, there's just nothing like it. And I, I love, uh, love spending time with the Lord and and, uh, and there's no ministry, I've talked about this before, there's no ministry that draws me nearer to God than being an evangelist. Because I have to have them. I can't do this own strength. Pastor and I were talking about that earlier. And, uh, and so I'm thankful for the time that I can have with the Lord. And tonight, uh, there's a couple of thoughts I have before we get into the message. One, uh, I was thinking about uh, the altar. You know, we talk about uh, like these steps being the altar. And when Elijah called down fire from heaven, and he said, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, that Thou hast turned uh, their hearts back again. And he was wanting God to be exalted as the fire came down and, uh, and consumed all of the sacrifice and the water and all those things. And, and it was just an amazing feat. But the first thing that Elijah did before calling down fire from heaven was he repaired the altar. And so often we want revival, but we're not surrendered. We haven't repaired the altar. And what is the altar? The altar is a place of sacrifice. The altar is a place of surrender. The altar is a place to meet with God. And that altar was broken. And he says, we've got to repair the altar before we call down the fire from heaven. And the same thing is true in revival in our own lives personally. We've got to repair the altar. And so we talk about these steps being an altar. What are we saying? Come meet with God. <laughs> Come just surrender that over to the Lord. You know, just sacrifice that over to the Lord. I mentioned uh, about uh, surrendering Megan to the Lord, and I remember it was at an altar uh, that I just I said, okay, Lord, that's it. And I've got some precious memories at different churches that I've been in, but of course my own home church, of God working in me and, and those, uh, those steps. And even our men's meeting, we pray over those steps because those are, can be life-changing, uh, life-changing decisions can be made there. And sometimes, you know, well, physically, I can't kneel down. And, uh, you know, I understand that. And there's a lady in our church, uh, she'll come forward, but she'll just stand and bow her head. And uh, that's just kind of her way of saying, all right, I'm at the altar, I'm kneeling, even though physically she cannot kneel. And, and, uh, and so uh, the altar needs to be repaired for us to call down the fire of God from heaven. And I uh, wanted to make mention of that. We I would have a time of prayer, but I don't sense the Lord having us to do that specifically right now. But uh, we're in Galatians chapter 2. And we'll pray here in a little bit once we read the Scriptures. And look at verse number 19. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 19. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe as you're seated there, there's something in your life that you need to just surrender over to the Lord. Why don't you just go ahead and surrender that over to the Lord right now? there's any known sin, why don't you confess that? Get that right. Let's ask God to do a deeper work in our hearts tonight. Father, I thank You for that secret place. Oh, that special place where we can shut the door and be shut in with You. Lord, there is no place like it. Lord, thank You for the the walk that we can have with You. That oneness, that intimacy that we can have with You. Lord, You are so near and so close to us that You're grieved when we sin against You. Your spirit is quenched when we sin against you. Lord, you, your attention is upon us. Lord, out of all creation, Lord, we are so blessed. And Lord, tonight as you've gathered us here for this service, Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts. Lord, where there's any known sin, that you would please uh, help us to get rid of that right now. Just surrender that over to you. And Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear and a heart to obey. Lord, that we wouldn't just be uh, uh, hearers of Your Word, but doers as well. Lord, we confess our absolute need and dependence upon You tonight. Lord, I am very desperate for You to to do this through me. Lord, I, I need Your help in delivering this message. And Lord, again, we all need Your help in listening and obeying what it is that You have for us. And so draw us nearer to You by us being here tonight. I pray if there's any here that does not know Thee as Savior, would come to that saving knowledge of Thee. Lord, that this night would be a bad night for the devil. Lord, bind the evil one. That it would be a great night for You, that when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, that this night would be gold, silver, and precious stone. Lord, impact eternity by what You do here in this service tonight. For Your honor, for Your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Perhaps you've received a gift and... And uh, maybe as you learn more about it, you're like, wow, this thing can do so much. Uh, my mom, I remember years ago when she got her first smartphone, the, uh, the guy at the counter says, so what, is your, what do you want your phone to do? And she says, I'd like for it to make calls. And uh, he's like, no, like, what else do you want? You know, what kind of apps are you looking at? Well, a calculator would be nice. And, uh, you know, she didn't realize all that that smartphone can do. Uh, Pastor and I were talking about a bio program that I haven't even scratched the surface on. Uh, Logos and all that it can do. And yet so many Christians, when it comes to Christian life, they just scratch the surface of all that Christ is. All that Christ can do in and through them. And uh, this Christian life uh, uh, can be lived in such victory, such uh, such obedience with Christ. I mean, We don't have to, uh, to walk in defeat. No, we can walk in victory. We really fight from victory. And the title of the message tonight is How to Live the Christian Life. How to Live the Christian Life. The Christian life 
must be lived through Christ by faith. Number one, we'll see the Christian life is a crucified life. Number two, the Christian life is Christ's life through me. And then number three, the Christian life is obtained by faith. So number one, the Christian life is a crucified life. We see there in verse number 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ. This is a uh, perfect tense. It speaks of a completed action having, uh, ha- having present finished results. So what happened in the past affects me in the present. What Christ did in the past affects me today. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. He is identifying with Christ's death, but he also identifies with Christ's resurrection. Uh, we died, uh, or when Christ died, we also died. Uh, when Christ rose from the grave, uh, we also can have that resurrected, victorious life through us. Uh, and in Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So we are crucified. What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? It refers to that conversion experience. When we came to know Christ as our Savior, that once-for-all transaction that has ongoing results. Crucifixion with Christ means death or separation from the reigning power of the old sinful life and freedom to experience the power of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ by faith. If you were to go to a cemetery and maybe there was this a person there that uh, that you were, uh, maybe you go up to him and, and you say, you start you know, giving him all these compliments. Oh man, you are so such a great person and all this. And, and you're at that cemetery, that person is not going to respond. Why? Because they're dead. And if you go to them and say, you, man, you are such a lousy person, uh, you know, I hate you and all these different things, he's not going to respond because he's dead. And the same thing is with us. We are dead. Uh, We are dead uh, uh, to sin. Sin does not have the reigning power over us. We do not have to succumb to sin. We can say no to sin. We can walk in obedience to God. Uh, I think of another, I was reading uh, recently of a man that uh, in this book kind of likened it to here's a guy with a real gun. Uh, I've been held up at gunpoint in time past. And whatever that guy said, I did. Because uh, I knew, all right, stand up. All right, I'm getting up. I was working on my car and things. And uh, we, we, it was a home invasion. I'm, I won't tell you about it then tonight. But but uh, but anyhow, uh, you know, anything that guy did, why? Because it was a real gun. I don't know what's going to happen. But what if he had a little plastic toy gun? And yet, uh, you know, would I have responded the same way? No, I wouldn't have. And yet, so many of us, uh, we live our Christian life with, the, with sin having this toy gun. It really doesn't have power over us. But we act like it's a real gun. We act like it, that it really does have this power over us. No, we are crucified. I am crucified with Christ, Paul says. And so are you dead? Are you dead to your wants? Dead to your ambitions? That, uh, uh, you know, your life, it's, it's nothing. As, Paul, or as uh, John says, he must increase, I must decrease. Uh, our life, it's dead. Uh, to dead to the temptations. Uh, you know, if you were, uh, if there was a, you have an Aunt Susie, and please excuse me if you do have an Aunt Susie, if, if she passes away and she's at that casket, you say, hey, Aunt Susie, here's your favorite apple pie. She's not going to move. Why? Because she's dead. And the same thing is with us. We are dead. We are crucified with Christ. This temptation and sin does not have reigning power over us. 
And so we are dead. Uh, death means separation. Uh, as uh, First Peter 1.14, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust and your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. We're dead. We're separate from sin. We don't have to succumb to sin. We can pursue Christ and get closer to Him. Holiness is where we're separated from sin and set apart unto God. He commands us here in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For the love of the Father is not in Him. Uh, so often, the reason why we, we struggle so much with sin is because we love our sin. We love the things of this world. We don't have God's view upon our sin. We don't hate it like God hates it. Uh, and so often we, uh, and I, don't, I'll, uh, I was praying the other night, I'm like, Lord, I'm not hating this sin like I need to hate it. Lord, give me a holy hatred for this sin. When Saul kept King Agag alive, and here's Samuel, and Samuel confronts him about his sin. And you know what Samuel did? It says that he hewed King Agag in pieces. And that's what we ought to do with our sin. Cut it up. Chop it in pieces. Get angry at your sin. Because there is nothing that has done more damage to your life than sin. Nothing has cost you more money, caused you more problems, caused more heartache than sin. Uh, you know, and I, I pray for faith. Lord, help me to see the exceeding sinfulness of sin. Help me to see past the temptation, to see past the deceitfulness. Help me to see it as it is. Uh, give me that holy hatred for sin. Now, we, we love our sin too much, and God commands us, love not the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In John 14, 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. You know, if you, if you love God, you'll hate sin. First, uh, or, uh, Psalm 119, uh, I believe it, it talks about, uh, ye that love the Lord hate evil. You know, if you love something, there's going to be a, a hatred for other things. You know, I love my mom, but I, I hate the cancer that she has. <laughs> you know, there's things that we will love that will produce hate. Uh, and, and, uh, and so when we love God, it ought to produce a hatred for sin. Uh, and so death, uh, we are crucified with Christ. This sin does not have reigning power over us. Uh, John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. This death to self, God, I, it's not about me, it's not about my wants, my rights, my reputation. God, I am dead to self. I am crucified with Christ. And that's, uh, that's why the lens came out here. The lens didn't come out here and say, you know, I'm going to make a ton of money being a pastor in Fernley, Nevada. <laughs> you know, I'm going to live high on the hog in Fernley, Nevada. Uh, you know, being a pastor and starting this church. You know what they had to do? They had to be dead to self. God, I don't know how this is going to happen. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work. But it's not about me, God. It's about you. And you've put this on our hearts. You've given us this call. And uh, you're going to have to do this through us. And he has and is doing it through them. Uh, it takes a crucified life. I am crucified with Christ. Uh, one of the reasons why we struggle so much is that we don't uh, believe that we're dead to sin. Uh, that uh, you know we we have that thought that he is that, that we're still under that slave owner of sin. I was reading 
recently about the Emancipation Proclamation and how that there were some slaves that never heard that they were free. And they continued to be under their slave owner. And I'm afraid that as I, as I go across this country, there's so many Christians that seem to think that they're still under the slave market of sin. When Christ has paid the price for them, and they no longer have to serve that, that uh, master, no, they have the greatest master of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some missionaries were bound for Africa, and they were laughed at by the boat cap- captain. He said, you'll only die over there. The missionaries responded, Captain, we died before we even started. <laughs> so true. So true. It's, our lives are not our own. We're cruci- I'm crucified with Christ. Luke 9.24, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. So number one, the Christian life is a crucified life. Number two, the Christian life is Christ's life through me. He says, I am crucified with Christ, so I'm dead. But then he says, nevertheless, I live. How do I live? It's Christ's life through me. It's his resurrected life through me. I live through Christ. Romans 13, 14 says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Go over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Someone said, that Galatians chapter 2.20 is a snapshot picture of Romans chapter 6. I love uh, reading uh, verse number 20 of Romans chapter 5, Moreover the law entered, that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And I say hallelujah to that. Uh, Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. But he goes on to say that as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Oh, since we get grace, uh, you know, and the sin is abounding, there's going to be more grace. So should we just keep on sinning so there's more abounding grace? And the answer, of course, verse number two, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? We have the picture of baptism where we are buried uh, with Him in the likeness of His death, we shall also uh, be raised to walk in newness of life. He goes on, verse number 4, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism and in death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk. We should be doing these things. We don't always do them, but we should walk in newness of life. You have newness of life through Christ. You can have abundant life through Christ. He goes on to talk in verse number 5, For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. We can live this resurrected life through Christ, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You mean we don't have to serve sin? Right. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to succumb to sin. You can say no to, the, to temptation. You can say yes to the Savior. You can walk in obedience, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe also that that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died into sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon. 
now, when I went to the South, I, I started hearing that word reckon. I'm uh, reckon to, you know, and it's not the same. Uh, they don't use it the same way as the, uh, as they, they, as the Bible does, but I'm also thinking of the word fixing. Uh, and I'm like, well, what's broken? Uh, you know, I'm fixing it to do this. And I'm like, oh, that's broken. No, I'm about to do this. Oh, okay, I understand. But, but uh, reckon, that means to put to your account. Uh, you know, not just have it a, a head knowledge, but apply it to your life. Reckon yourselves to be dead into sin, but alive into God, there, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Again, you don't have to let sin reign. Uh, you are giving that, that ground away. Uh, you don't have to do that. I think of uh, Ephesians 4, verse 27, neither give place to the devil. We've given the devil so much ground in our life that uh, it's not that it's not so much that that he's you know taken over. No, we just surrender it over to him. We're just giving it to him. The same thing is to me with America. Uh, we're just giving our freedoms away. You know, when there's not even a fight in there, it seems, and and uh, and so it comes in our Christian life. We're just given so much ground. We don't have to succumb to it. No, we can walk in victory. We don't have to let it rain in our mortal bodies that we should obey in the lust thereof. How do we do this? Verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So this, this uh, Christian life, it's not about so much of, of strength and in my own, you know, I'm going to try, you know, muster up my own strength to, to, to defeat this sin. No, it's a matter of surrender. God, I'm not going to yield my, my body to sin. I'm going to yield it to you. I'm going to yield it to righteousness. For sin, verse 14, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Uh, verse 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, ye servants are to whom ye obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but that ye, have, that ye have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Paul's trying to get it into their head, down into their heart, and then out into their life. That's what we're trying to, you know, Paul's trying to do. Okay, reckon these things, know it, but don't just have it in your mind. No, get it down into your heart and then let it flow out of your life. Uh, I liken my life to a glove, and uh, I wish I had a work glove with me, but um, I, I've been in some cold climates recently, and uh, and so I've got the, I've got this glove right here, and and here is to me my life, or here is also your life. And I can say, and I imagine this is a work glove uh, instead of uh, uh, just the glove that's there. But, um, you know, hey, all right, uh, uh, glove, go get to work. Uh, go trim, trim the branches. Uh, you know, go work outside. It's just going to sit there. Why? There's no life in it. Why? Because it's dead. And, and Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead. I have no strength. I have no goodness. I have no wisdom of my own. I am nothing. Uh, I have no life. But when you put that hand into the glove, now the glove moves. Now the glove has life. Now the glove can be used for the purpose it was intended for. Because there is life inside it. The same thing is true in your life. You're, you know, you're a glove in God's hand. And God puts that in there. He fills you. He controls you. Now He can do what He wants. Uh, now He can use you to His purpose. And uh, and I... And, and, you know, many times just in my life, I want to be sensitive to the Lord as to what He wants me to do. So the moment that He moves, I move. Uh, if He wants to do something, I don't want any resistance towards it. God, I surrender. Even uh, And again, that takes death to self. That takes death to your own wisdom, 
to your will. Maybe you don't understand why certain things, uh, why God wants you to do a certain thing, but you know God wants you to do it. You know what? Die, die to, the, to your wisdom, to your own wisdom. God has more wisdom than you. Just die to self. Reckon yourself to be dead to sin. Uh, go back to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. We're actually going to go over to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. And, and uh, so much, uh, just that illustration of, of a glove in the hand, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. How? Through Christ, which strengthens me. That means the sin that seems to just get you time and time and time again can be conquered, or really is already conquered, through Christ. You can walk in victory. I can do all things how? Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Uh, and if, in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 16, says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk, it is a daily step-by-step process. Someone said one of the hardest things about the Christian life is that it is daily. Oh, you have a great day one day, and the next day you fall flat on your face. Uh, it is a daily, but it's really... Uh, I, somebody wrote the song, I Need Thee Every Hour, and I love that song. And I sing it to the Lord many times. And then somebody thought, you know, I don't just need God every hour. I need a moment by moment. And he wrote that song, moment by moment. And we do, we need God moment by moment through our life. When Meg and I fly somewhere, we get in that plane, and, and uh, you know, unbeknownst to us, to me, it's just like a straight shot to, to, uh, to Washington, D.C., or wherever we're going. But no, all throughout that flight, there's different corrections that the pilot's making. Maybe there's a stronger wind resistance, and so they need it to, to change some things. And so all throughout that flight, there's just different corrections. The same thing is throughout our day. Oh, something kind of knocks us over this way. You know what? I need to get my focus back on the Lord, get right back on the, the path that He has for me. Uh, it's a moment-by-moment, uh, moment, uh, daily walk-by-walk step. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, there's a war going on for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, since you cannot do the things that you would. Now, there are things that we all like as far as our flesh, and, and so we've got to separate from those things. Uh, someone said, anything that dims my vision of Christ or makes Christian life difficult for me or makes pr uh, prayer or Bible study uh, hard for me, I need to avoid it. And, and so often we have, we have so much... Uh, uh, sin in our life and, and uh, things that distract us from getting closer to God, we've got to separate from that. Uh, you know, maybe it's some good things. Maybe you need to stop watching the, the news. Maybe you need to stop watching uh, so much sports or playing games, whatever it might be, and say, you know what, I'm going to spend more time focusing on the Lord. Uh, there was a pastor years ago that said, I was addicted to late night television, and God began to convict my heart about it. Uh, and he says, it took me about a week before I wrestled. And I said, okay, God, I surrender that late night television. And, and what God was wanting uh, him to do was to take that time that he was spending in the late night television and spend it in his word and in prayer. He says, when I started dedicating that time that I was wasting at night watching the, these TV shows, he says, God began to change my life. And he revived me in greater ways than I'd ever, ever seen or known before. God used him in a tremendous way. And the uh, Lord's done that in my life, too. You know, there's some things that I'll let in my life, like, you know, I really need to eliminate that. Uh, it's taken me away from prayer. It's taken me away from having a passion for God's work. 
What's some things that have that you're letting in? Is this is a uh, again this is a fight? Uh, the the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. So uh, we need to walk in the spirit. He goes on to talk about what the works of the spirit are. Uh, adultery, fornication, and cleanliness, lasciviousness, and it goes on to this different list. And then it gets to verse number 22 in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, we have here uh, this fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, this is what's going to flow out of your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. There are times where I'm living my day, and I and the Lord reminds me of that list of the fruit of the Spirit. And I think, you know what? I do not have the fruit of the Spirit right now. I am not walking in the Spirit. And God will convict my heart of that. Uh, he says, the fruit of the Spirit. You have, uh, you know, a different uh, fruit juice. And, you know, it may have a bunch of different... Uh, different juices in there might have orange and grape and all these things, but this one type it's just it's fruit juice. And there's a lot of things that make up here the fruit of the spirit. And this is the the kind of uh, uh, course of evangelist that I need to be, the kind of Christian that God has called you to be, the kind of church that God has called you to be. This is I love it when you can come to a church and there is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, temperance, uh, when it's all of that fruit of the Spirit. And whatever, uh, you know, as you go through your day and you get knocked out, uh, knocked over at things, uh, just like a cup of coffee, as it gets spilled out, coffee's going to flow out. What flows out when you get knocked? Is it the fruit of the Spirit or is it the works of the flesh? We can walk in the Spirit. You say, Lord, I, uh, you know, be filled with the Spirit. God, you control me. God, you be my hands today. God, you be my feet today. God, you be my eyes today. You be my ears and my mouth. God, you fill me. You control me just like the glove in the hand. God, you take over my life. Live this life through me. Uh, In the book, The Indwelling Life of Christ, Major Ian Thomas states, Christ gave himself for us to give himself to us. He's given us for, for us, but he also wants to live this life through us. So we see, number one, the, cru- the Christian life is a crucified life. Number two, the Christian life is Christ's life through me. And then lastly, the Christian life is obtained by faith. He says, and go back to Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. He says, Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, how did we start this Christian life? By faith faith. When I was five years old, I was uh, as a Sunday night service. I love Sunday night services. God has changed my life on Sunday night services. And uh, I was five years old. It was my pastor, not the one I have now, Pastor Rogers, but a different pastor uh, there at Faith Baptist uh, was preaching out of the book of Revelation, the end times. Now I'm five years old, but I remember Revelation, end times. And, uh, and I realized that night that I knew Jesus Christ died on the cross. I knew that he rose again. But that night, I realized that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, that I was going to head to an eternity in the lake of fire. I went home and I said, Mom, is it true what the Bible says? And she says, yes, son, it is. She then began to take me through the book of Romans and several verses in there. And, and I remember Romans 10, 13. And, and, uh, and just, I, I used to think that if my, if my good works outweighed my bad works, I would go to heaven. 
if I kept my, my room clean, if I didn't pull my sister's hair, if I did all these things that were good, then my good works would outweigh my bad works and I would go to heaven. And, of course, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, there's not enough good works I can do to earn heaven. No, I've got all of those sins. You say, what did you do by the time you were five? My mom and dad would say plenty. Uh, plenty of sins. I mean, disobeying my parents, dishonoring them. I remember when I was, uh, we had visited this family. I think my dad was trying to witness to them, and, and we only saw them one time. And uh, one of the things I loved playing with was matchbox toy cars. And this kid had a set of toy cars that I absolutely loved. There was one car in particular I really wanted. And when that kid wasn't looking, I reached into his toy box, I grabbed that car, and I put it in my pocket. He never saw it. And I thought, whew, got away with it right then. Now I need to get out of the house. Uh, and I remember uh, getting into the car and, uh, and pulling out that car and looking at him like, wow, I got it. I got that toy car. And, you know, I got away with it. No, I didn't. God saw it. God sees every sin that we've ever committed. He knows everything about our lives. My mom and dad knew of many things that I had done, but they, at that point, did not know that I would stolen that toy car. And, and uh, you know, this, uh, all of these sins, if, if uh, you were to sin just three times a day, and uh, that was it, if you are 15 years old, you've already sinned over 15,000 times. If you're 30 years old, you've already sinned over 30,000 times. Just three sins a day. And, uh, you know, 60 years, 60,000 sins? And you think you're going to earn your way to heaven? You think your good works are going to weigh all those bad works? Oh, no, they won't. Only Christ can get us to heaven. He lived that perfect sinless life. And He paid the price for our sins when He shed His blood upon the cross, uh, becoming sin for us, dying our death, and then rising again that third day. He's the only way we can get to heaven. Uh, John 14, 14 verse 6, you say to them, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man come to the Father but by me. And I knew that night, I, I realized I needed Jesus Christ to save me. I bowed my head. I said, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask you, please forgive me my sins. Come into my life and save me. And I called upon Christ and asked Him to save me from my sin. Save me from that eternity in the lake of fire. And that, that whole weight of guilt and conviction just lifted up from me when I called upon Christ and asked him to save me. And I remember running down the hall saying, Dad, Dad, I got saved, I got saved. And I was so excited about my salvation. Well, it's been many years since then, but I'm still excited about my salvation. I'm so glad Jesus Christ has saved me. Now I remember that day, and I prayed a prayer. But I'm not trusting in a memory. I'm not trusting in a prayer. I'm trusting in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And I know that if I died today, I would go to heaven because of Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know him? Has there ever come a point in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you? You see, the only way we're going to go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. There's no amount of us working in order to be able to get to heaven. The same thing is true in our Christian life, Christian. There's no amount of strength and effort of our own. No, it's Christ through us. Only Christ can live the victorious Christian life. It is Him through us. And so this Christian life, it was started by faith, but uh, it's uh, as we walk victoriously, it's obtained by faith. But Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Oh, it's impossible to live this Christian life without faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You see, it can't be by feeling. You say, well, I don't really feel uh, that, you know, feel saved today. Or I don't really feel like, you know, uh, you can't live by feeling. You can't live by sight. You must live by faith. I remember uh, one of my preacher friends, uh, the, the piano player, an older gentleman was pr- playing the piano and, and the interlude. And it just was, was just kind of sad and lethargic. And, uh, and he went up to him and he said, uh, hey, uh, brother, how are you doing right now? And he says, I'm just, I feel sad. <laughs> He says, I can tell. It's playing out in, your, in the piano playing. He says, could you just, could you just play by faith? <laughs> could you just, you know, just, just go ahead and you know, get away. Don't go by the feeling, but just go by faith. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, I can do that. And so, you know, so often we live by feeling. We need to live by faith. Uh, he's, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You see, you must trust God in order to obey God. I think uh, my, the very first song I ever heard in church that I can remember is Trust and Obey. That's the very first song I remember. And what a tremendous song it is. Trust and Obey. You get confused in your Christian life. You don't know what to do. You know what, you, you know what it all boils down to is just two words. Trust and Obey. That's really what it all boils down to. Trust God, obey God, or trust God to obey God. We must walk by faith. We started this Christian life by faith. We must walk it by faith. And so uh, we need to trust God. Uh, this is His life through us. It is obtained by faith. He says, uh, the life that I, uh, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Uh, we need to suit up in the armory of the uh uh the the uh, uh in ephesians chapter 6 he says above all taking the shield of faith we must walk by faith it is christ's life through us it's his life it's his heartbeat it's his passions it's what he wants in and through us uh, i'm going to have uh uh the uh, the sound people uh, bring up a video that i want to show you there was a man by the name of Derek fitzgerald he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when he was 30 years old. Uh, he beat cancer, and the treatment uh, ended in May of 2004. But then four months later, he was diagnosed with heart failure. And uh, he went through seven years of heart failure and was on the waiting list for a heart and was given, given uh, four months to live, and then, uh, then they, they, a heart came in, and they were able to do that heart transplant in January of uh, 2011. Now, the atrophy had set in his muscles before the heart transplant that he spent most of January trying to regain the muscles just to lift his head from off the pillow. If nobody was around to help him out of bed, he would would drag himself across the bedroom floor until he could pull himself up. Now, he never enjoyed exercise or or running, but uh, since his heart transplant, his goal has been to to be in the best shape possible. Uh, to be a good custodian of his donor hero's heart. And after eight months of the heart transplant, he completed his first 5K. In 2013, he finished the Ironman Lake Placid and became the first cancer-surviving heart transplant recipient to complete that 140.6-mile challenge. 
He said, I never thought I'd be alive, yet alone competing in an Ironman. So carrying my donor's heart across that finish line will stay with me forever. And if we've got that video, uh, I'd like to play that. It's just a two-minute clip, and you can see him and, and hear his voice here. The spirit of today is about giving back and honoring you know, the people that got us here. I know that this anonymous hero showed a level of generosity and integrity and compassion in the last moments of their life to save the life of a complete stranger. And I think that's the most compassionate thing that anyone on this earth can do. I'm going to be thinking about this person the entire race and just have this grateful heart just keep pumping from start to finish. I went through seven years of heart failure until January 3rd, 2011, I received a heart transplant. And within hours of the transplant, I was up and moving. And somebody comes in and gives me a watch. And it has the gift of life heart symbol on it. And since then, I've been able to do some amazing things powered by my donor's heart. I'm actually the only cancer-surviving heart transplant to ever finish a full-distance Ironman. I've done five full Ironmans now, and I've done another 80 or so smaller, shorter events since my transplant. I am now just over seven years out from my heart transplant, and I have a daughter who's just over four years old now who would not be here if I weren't there, and obviously I received the gift of life, but she is a miracle. To be able to run this race with my daughter is just an amazing gift that I've been given, and I'm going to just celebrate it. We need to save the lives of the people that are waiting, and also people like my daughter Emma, who would never be here without some anonymous hero donating their organs to me. To enjoy life, and celebrate life, it's, it's what it's all about. My donor's life, on this person's worst day, he or she chose to save the life of a complete stranger. To me, that speaks volumes about their courage, their integrity, and their compassion. He says, I'm reminded of this person's gift with every heartbeat and every time I look at my daughter. This anonymous hero's gift has served as a gauntlet, a measuring stick I hold myself up to every day, and a rudder that steers me through the rest of my life. I also know that no matter what, I'll, what I do, I'll never be able to repay this person's gift. But it is my life's honor to never stop trying. Wow. What a story. And yet a greater story than that is Christ who gave Himself for us. That He would live this life through us. You see, it's about Him. It's His heartbeat. It's His passions. This man who didn't think he could do these things has a new heart. And now he's doing things he never even dreamed of before. What can Christ do through you oh we live so below our means when christ is in us he says in john 10 10 i am come that they might have life they might have it more abundantly are you living that abundant christ life
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, my friend, God didn't just save you, and that's all. No, there is so much more to Him than even being saved for all eternity. Are you living the victorious Christian life? You say, preacher, I've been living below what God has for me. And I don't want to stay there. I want to be revived out of that. I want to live that victorious Christian life. That Christ life through me. Preacher, God has spoken to my heart. I have been living below the life that God has for me. And I want to be revived out of that. And I want it Christ's life through me. Would you please pray for me?